0: HiFM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning and welcome to another jam-packed edition of Tech Talk right here on High FM. And I'm coming to you live from very chilly Madrid on my way to Mobile World Barcelona, which is starting on Sunday, actually. Um, although it runs officially from Monday to Thursday of next week, World Mobile kicks off with with a Sunday jam-packed with announcements, press conferences, press stuff that goes on like mad. All, all the press are just scurrying around Barcelona, which becomes rather packed. Around about 150,000 people converge. That's just attendees, never mind all the people who actually come to support the show. So World Mobile is, without question, the largest mobile-focused show in the world, and it certainly is a place that all the... Um, various operators, every single one of the manufacturers put their best foot forward. In fact, Huawei are so crazy. They uh, not only Huawei, Huawei, Ericsson, um, Nokia now, they bought Alcatel. So there's three big guys and a company called ZTE, which is another Chinese mobile company. They hire limousines, Mercedes, you name it, from all over Europe. And they all converge on on mobile world. And all you do is see all these black Mercedes benzes Cruising around with Huawei signs or Ericsson signs in their windows, shuttling the various VIPs from place to place. The net result is that it's cheap, it's quicker and easier to walk because of so many cars and madness. But the good and most interesting news is that from a tech perspective, all the latest handsets, all the latest technologies um, are on show, and it should be absolutely fascinating. So, whatever you do, Tell your friends, your family, anybody who has the slightest interest in mobile, cellular, in fact, anything to do with technology, to tune in next week, Thursday, because I'll be coming to you live from Barcelona right here and only on 101.9 High FM. And I'll be letting you in on all the latest developments, all the newest handsets, all the interesting information surrounding the Mobile World Congress and what is coming, all the new, exciting technology that we can look forward to um, over the next couple of years until the next World Mobile Congress. So tune in next week, 11 o'clock till You'll be um, amazed at all the stuff that's coming. I mean, there's inklings of uh, Google-powered scooters, brand-new handsets from Samsung, so many new handsets from Nokia, another other couple of manufacturers though it um, has been let know known to the press that a lot of the guys who like LG are not releasing a brand new handset at World Mobile like they did last year um, neither are Huawei they're reserving that for later on um, in March along with a couple of other manufacturers so it should be really interesting to see and and and, and get a, get my hands on what's new but the big news obviously is the samsung galaxy s9 and s9 plus which is being unpacked on sunday the 25th we may even discuss that on tuesday during the live show with kathy Kayla. so stay tuned lots of tech lots of gadgets lots of lots of gizmos you're going to be hearing all about 5g everywhere um already as As I said last week, we're up and running at the Winter Olympics in Korea and going to be coming to selling the networks across the world in the next year, I reckon, uh, for the most part. So this has been, in many ways, a momentous week for technology. It's been a momentous week for the country, never mind technology. I mean, wow, in the last week, pretty much uh, since uh, my last show, we've got a new president, we've got a new budget, we've got a whole... All new dawn, um, for South Africa in many respects. And the brilliant news is that gadgets may actually get cheaper. A little bit more about that later. Cell phones may be not so fast, but, uh, certainly the rand has improved. Um, that has a direct impact. In fact, one of the things that moves the quickest to movements in the rand is technology because it's all dollar based and all, you know, created in that way. So you know, if the rand goes down, gadgets go up goes gets better, gadgets go down. So it's been a huge week, and what was really fascinating in the State of the Nation address from our new president, Cyril Ramaphosa, he really clearly, and for the first time in many years, spoke about the fourth industrial revolution, which some of you might be wondering about, but uh, we'll talk about that a little later, and how much technology is going to contribute to the... The growth of South Africa and the stuff that he needs to do, and one of the key issues which I've discussed on the show many times. We've actually had quite a few, um, quite a few people on on air with me discussing the whole issue of spectrum and the cost of data. Data is definitely a, a big story. It's still something that is a bit of a political football and has definitely been seen to be. Something that needs to fall. I'm not entirely sure how and why and what, but the key issue surrounding the whole data must fall story is essentially spectrum, and how we're going to deal with that spectrum, and what we're going to do around the so-called um, single WoAn network that the government wants to create. Well, wants to force the other guys to create. Um, And and this is going to be a huge thing, but it was mentioned, and at the SONA it was, and at the budget speech it was definitely brought up that the spectrum is going to be allocated. The whole issue is going to be fast-tracked, and an ICT commission is going to be set up that will help clarify all these issues because there is huge, huge confusion around this. Telcom came out, surprise, surprise, and said that all spectrum should go to the WoAN and, and all the networks should contribute to the so-called WoAN and we should all um, use this monopoly uh, network and connect to it. But if history has anything to show around this whole story, it's that There is just absolutely no way a single monopolistic entity that controls all the spectrum and all the cellular connectivity in a country is going to bring prices down for anybody. If anything, it creates massive um, centralization of power. It creates massive issues around cost. Who who controls it? The government will have a major major say and their track record, never mind the new dawn, has never been particularly great at – Running commercial entities. And apart from that, again, the WON, according to the white paper, has to be installed, maintained, and run by a coalition of all the existing networks. Well, why should they do that? They've spent 30, 40, 50, 500 billion dollars on their own networks, which are competitive. You know, you always see the adverts MTN's got the best network, Vodacom's got the best network, et cetera, et cetera. Without that, all working on one network, Who knows what we're going to see? So let's hope um, that, yes, they allocate spectrum fairly. They definitely need spectrum for 5G. We're going to be talking all about this 5G connectivity over the next couple of weeks. It's a huge topic globally. Networks are going live all across the world in the next year. And you need special spectrum for it because the fundamental difference between 5G and the current LTE 4G that we're enjoying is simply... That you need more spectrum the, the technology itself uses multiple channels across multiple spectrums, and it's just a very, very different way of transmitting masses amount of data across wireless networks. And on that note, I think we have to take a quick break for a uh, word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with some more uh, news and exciting tech stuff that is coming. <laughs> Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, hi there and welcome back. And as I was saying before the break, we've had good news from Sona. We've had some very positive um, response to the whole new view of what's going on in the country But the budget clarified a couple of really interesting things. One, as I'm sure you've all heard, that is going up by 1%, which will hit the price of gadgets, if not very slightly, but certainly will add a few hundred rand to your favorite cell phone. But here's what's going to cost us all a little bit more money. Cellular phone taxes are going up from 7% to 9%, because unfortunately, as part of the budget... They've increased the ad valorem tax, which really and truly, ad valorem was a luxury tax that was imposed deep in the imposed on all on on all imported goods deep in the apartheid era, and has never been repealed or replaced by anything. And what is really scary about it is that it's not a tax that is approved within the global um, tax regime around import duty. Duties. It's a South African tax that exists apart from and in addition to all other taxes. And essentially, what it says is that if you import something for 100 rand and there's a 20% import duty, you pay the 20% import duty plus VAT, of course. But in addition, on top of the 100 rand plus the 20% import duty, so 120 rand. So to do maths for you, you then pay or have paid up to now an additional 7% ad valorem luxury tax on those goods. Now, cars had it, cameras had it, audio equipment had it, cellular equipment had it, monitors, which was a major pain in the neck for most people, computer monitors had a 7%. I don't see how they're a luxury good because without a computer monitor, in our tech age, you cannot use a computer um, other than a laptop. I'm actually not sure if laptops have AdBalorum. I'll check into that. But the bad news is, as part of our um, tight fiscal budget. Um, they've increased that 7% to 9%. And the problem is it's a very ad- additive tax. So the 2% increase might not sound a lot, but when you add 2% ad valorem, it probably translates into 5 or 6% overall increase in cost, plus the 1% VAT, which is another, looking at another couple of percent overall, you're looking at, I, uh, at round about a 10% increase in the cost of cell phones to the public starting one April, which is not good news. So, for example, an, an iPhone six or iPhone eight, which is now selling at around about thirteen triple nine, will go to fourteen and a half thousand rand, which is quite a significant increase um, in in cost, and that'll ripple all the way down to the cheaper cell phones, which will go up from 5600 six hundred rand to 7800 eight hundred rand, and um, that's really not not good news at all. But on another note, um, I was reading about, a lot of people have had this discussion with me. In fact, I have arguments with this at the the radio station very very regularly. There is that cellular radiation is not good for you and that all all those radios and all that radiation can cause cancer and can cause all manner of harm and, you know, it really does threaten humans. Well, very interesting Thing there. And a major study in the USA in the last couple of weeks, um, it's the U.S. National Institute of National of Health's National Toxicology Program. Wow, what a mouthful. But they've published details of a draft study that really suggests that normal cell phone radiation levels are not harmful to humans. Now, please, you know, all you guys who've been wearing those aluminum protectors and uh, looking after themselves with regard to radiation um, I'm not. I'm not saying this is definitive, but it's one of the first modern studies that have, you know, subject at this stage test animals. I'm not going to mention to very high levels of radiation in the 2G and 3G cellular frequencies. And what has happened is that it produced results where there was absolutely no clear pattern of harm, even at massively exaggerated radiation levels and in fact the test subjects some of them lived longer after being radiated than the ones that weren't radiated. So it just shows that um, these are really preliminary results they do not entirely uh, cover what is happening to humans which are much bigger than the test subjects in the in the lab but it does show that the types of radiation that come out of cell phones in the quantities that come out of cell phones, Actually, does not threaten humans. And just to put that in perspective, if you stand anywhere near a TV transmitting tower, so we're we talking about if you're in Bromfontein and you're a couple of kilometres away from that massive um, tower sitting near the SABC, and that is that particular tower is is, is emitting radiation in the fifty thousand uh, kilo you know kilowatt type range. You cannot believe how many. How strong that is, and that's FM radiation, which is in the 800 to 900 frequency range, which is very similar to cellular frequency. You can definitely pick up FM radio with a wire. That's how strong it is. You can pick up TV transmissions, which are higher frequency, also just with a piece of wire or a bunny ears. Not exactly uh, high tech. So the one watt or two watt, not the kilowatts of radiation that come out of a cell phone tower, out of your cell phone, even though it's stuck to your ear or in your pocket, really, really, really shouldn't make any difference. But um, the the jury is still out just a little. And um, let's see where where that all goes. Now, as I was saying, starting in a few minutes, is we are going to be speaking to Luke McKend, who is the country manager of Google in South Africa. And... Um, we're going to be talking about Googling it, and it's just a most fascinating discussion about some of the things that we take for granted. Google has become such an integral part of our lives. We use it for mapping. And in fact, that's something that I will be talking about in my gadget of the or my app of the week a little bit later. Um, but using Maps, using Google to find absolutely everything, using Gmail for many of us, there are just so many services that Google Supply that are just so part of the fabric of, of modern day life, that are so part of everything that we do and everything that we have, that it is unbelievable that the vast majority of us have a Google phone or a Google-based phone in our pockets. I'm actually asked about that. When are the Google hardware products coming to South Africa? And although I didn't get a straight answer, it does appear from some leaked information um, that came across my desk A little while ago, that it's very possible that the entire Google Home product range or Google Home services will be coming to South Africa in the next little while. So stay tuned for that. But listening to this chat, I think uh, Luke has got some fascinating insights into what Google's on about, where they're going, what's coming from Google, and um, there's no, no question that the whole artificial intelligence, masses amounts of data, and all the stuff that. Google enables, because if you have any form of Google device in your pocket, even an an iPhone that has Google products loaded on it, um, whatever it is, tends to track exactly where you've been. It knows exactly how fast you're going. It's just unbelievable the sheer quantity of data that is being collected by Google, stored somewhere in the cloud, and you cannot believe the amount of information that allows smart computer programs and smart algorithms, call it AI as you will, um, to put together information that actually becomes unbelievably useful to humans across the world. So we're going to take a quick break for uh, our sponsors once again, and then we'll be back with Luke McEnd, who's the country manager for Google in South Africa, and we're going to find out all about just Googling it. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome to Tech Talk Cafe, and I'm sitting here in the Google offices with Luke McEnd, who is the either the country director or country manager of Google South Africa, and um, it's just a it's a cool place to be, and we're talking about stuff that I think you and I all use all the time. Everyone Google's everything. And there's just so much more to Google than simply Googling something. So welcome to the show, Luke. And um, let's talk a little bit about Google and a little bit about what Google are doing specifically in South Africa. And I'd love to find out a couple of things that we probably don't even think about doing using our, our Google
1: across all the various things that we do. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming to visit us. Uh, it's, it's great to have you here. I think uh, having been with Google uh, overall for quite some time now, um, I'm a sort of a veteran Googler, if you like, having been with the company for about 10 years. Okay, so you fully Googled? Uh, Completely, completely. And uh, having been uh, running the the South African operation for the last seven years, it's really interesting how searches evolved and changed even over this, this last period of time. When I arrived back in South Africa seven years ago, search was the kind of thing that you usually used to do on a desktop. And most of the searches that we saw all came through desktop or laptop computers. What's really shifted dramatically, and I think most of us, you know, with the phones that we have in our pockets these days are testament to that, is that search has become predominantly a mobile experience. And uh, if we look at the, the types of searches that we see, Uh, mobile now dominates the search experience by more than 50 percent so more than 50
0: percent of the searches that go through google are now coming from originating from a mobile
1: device oh and in south africa significantly more than that okay so that's that's a global stat 50 percent globally absolutely in south africa it's probably depending on the type of search you're running you know probably more like 70 75 percent
0: so it really bears out that South Africa and certainly Africa is very much a, a mobile society. People use their mobiles
1: as their access to the internet. Completely. Uh, completely. And in fact, further north from here, where you're in Nigeria, for instance, if you're running a business and you don't have a mobile optimized site, that's going to be a real problem. A real problem because probably 80 to 85% of the searches are coming from mobile. And that, that's changed the way people use search to a large extent because from a desktop point of view, you would only have been typing a search. Now, one of the big changes that we're seeing is not just the typing of the search, but is uh, the whole voice search phenomenon, for instance. Um, voice search, uh, just using OK Google to start a conversation. Be careful, with careful your phone. all the phones in the place will start talking to you. I was kind of hoping something, might <laughs> like, something like that might happen. Um, has really changed the way people are starting to use their devices, becoming a much more personal experience. One of the other things that's changed with mobile, of course, is the nature of the search. In the past, you might be prepared to write a a long search query. Search queries are shortened to some extent. That's a
0: really interesting point. So people actually need to be, I wouldn't say more succinct, but they certainly need to give a little bit more thought to how they're searching on a mobile. They haven't got the time to type in these long stories, for example.
1: No, they they haven't got the time. But fortunately, one of the other things that's possible with mobile is that there are quite a few more signals that we can use to try and provide people with the the most relevant results. In the past, uh, when Google started, we would have used only the text of your search, the literal words in your search, and match them against the massive index of all of the web pages that Google had crawled. You know, in the early days of the internet, maybe only a few hundred million pages. Now, literally trillions of pages, and we would match that text with the text that we hold in our actual now databases of all those web pages. Now, it's not just about text it's about images, it's about the location that you're at, um, it's about potentially, if you're a logged-in user, it's about previous searches that you might have run. So we use all of these different signals to augment our, uh, our ability to provide you with the most relevant results. So in many ways, you guys have been talking about artificial intelligence. I love
0: that word. It's just such a broad one. But you've been using sort of intelligence within the data to, to optimize search for people for a long time.
1: Yes, for, for, for an incredibly long time. And I think, you know, uh, you can call it artificial, artificial intelligence. Um, in our case, we probably prefer the term machine learning. I agree um, with you there. It's, 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 it's a lot less about trying to be like me or you than it is about using vast quantities of data, crunching that data in a way that provides real insights that you can use immediately um, and that computing power is, is referred to as, as machine learning. How do you do that? The algorithms that are used to do that is machine learning. And the algorithms we use to provide you with the best results when you want it, um, we've been using that sort of technology for a long time. And a really great example might be, for instance, you know, I'm looking for a restaurant. Very often these days, instead of having to type restaurant, you just say restaurants near me, you don't have to type the location, the phone will automatically know where you are and will provide you with a set of results based on the location that you're currently at. And that's just a really simple but good example of how we use location to augment the search that you've that you've already run, and there are lots of different signals that
0: we use. That's really really interesting. So the amount of data you're picking up from a, a mobile device is actually quite a few orders of magnitude greater than what was possible before from a, a, a fixed position desktop or laptop.
1: Well, I think there are lots of signals that you can that, that you can use most most definitely. A uh, mobile phone gives you location for one. Um, but it also, because it's something that's so personal, people tend to be logged into the phone much more frequently than they are when they're, for instance, using a desktop uh, search device. So, so that's a very, very different experience. And being logged in means that we can use uh, much more of the search history that you have to help provide you with relevant results.
0: And the growth of voice alternative input methods, how is that evolving in South Africa? Because, I mean, there's a lot of challenges around connectivity some places. Um, latency, in other words, where are the voice servers sitting? I mean, some new phones are now offering so-called botonic chips, which give you voice recognition on the phone itself, yeah. which you may or may not be tapping into. But how has voice changed search in South Africa
1: specifically and just your, your sort of sense of what's happening globally? Well, I think one of the things that's really, uh, really interesting is how voice search adapts to different accents. And that's quite an how, interesting thing. you know, if you have a really broad South African accent, it's still possible for voice search to accurately pick up what it is that you're looking for. And that's something that we work on across the globe. So whether you talk in a, you know, a really broad Scottish accent, which is sometimes very difficult to understand, um, or a broad South African accent... Um, it 's quite possible for voice search to pick up the meaning that you 're looking for and in a
0: country like this where we 've got multiple languages i mean only nine official and there 's probably a whole ton of dialects and things in that google 's able to work with most or all of them and give you reasonable voice recognition and voice search right now
1: I, I, I believe so, and based on my own experience, for instance, you know we have a I brought a Google home device uh, back from the us when on my last trip. Um, and across the family it doesn't matter who's asking the questions whether it's my 12 year old daughter whether it's my wife or myself um, the results are invariably accurate whether you're asking the device to play a song to uh, launch a radio station for instance which is how we listen to and this is phenomenal i mean the way i I've, I've changed my life in that respect and, and our whole family does in the past you would go to the radio switch it on tune it you know, and, and it would be a process to get to the thing that you want to listen to. <laughs> now it's, hey, Google, uh, play Radio 702. Boom. And off it goes. It's done. And it's fantastic because it's, uh, you know, it's in a completely seamless experience. And
0: let's digress quickly. I mean, Google Home is something that's launched pretty much in many of the major countries around the world. It's not launched in South Africa yet. And yet Google is very local. I mean, Google, for example, the Alexa devices have no local context at all Those from that other company. But Google could potentially have all the the local information it needs. Is there any chance we're going to see a Google
1: Home device in this country in the nearish future? I'd love to be able to say yes. (laughs) Um, Suffice to say that as a local team, we'd love to bring it here. Um, Unfortunately, there are many hoops and hurdles that we need to get through. And and of course, bear in mind that uh, Google's history as a software company means that uh, we aren't the fastest when it comes to bringing out hardware just yet. I think we're still learning in that space. And there are uh, much, much bigger markets in South Africa where we still need to learn to be able to bring the, the best experience to, to our users. But fundamentally, so, voice has changed the way Google approaches pretty much everything now. I think so. Um, and it's not just, you know, voice is one component of that. But the notion of search being an assistant to your life, so in some senses almost anticipating the, the needs that you already have, and people who, for instance, use Google Now on their devices, and the, you know, it, which has been available for a long time in South Africa. Things like uh, picking up from your calendar the time and date of your next flight and maybe an hour or two before your flight alerting you to the fact that you need to leave now because there's actually more traffic than usual. That sort of change, where search is not just about finding something and, uh, at the moment that you're looking for it, but it's almost bringing you a result before you thought you needed it which is quite a big deal because quite honestly with what
0: goes on in all our lives we all get busy we all run around it would be quite incredible to have an assistant being able to say you know what you need to do this now or if you want to do this you need to do that before you actually get to the point where you need to do it Mm -hmm. and is that
1: where you believe the whole google assistant is is heading I think there are massive shifts. Um, you know, whether it's uh, arranging your life around a, a series of calendar events, or even, for instance, at home, um, asking for a recipe, and instead of having to read it, having it spoken to you step by step, and then telling the device, "Okay, I'm finished with the last step. Next step, please." There are all sorts of implications for this. And in South Africa, which is a you know a, a driving nation, um, in your car. The ability to actually speak to your device rather than having to key in a command and take your eyes off the road is absolutely critical, and it's one of the most brilliant use cases for voice search I can possibly imagine. No, totally when I drive, with you. that's all I do is use voice search. Um, you know, to launch my entertainment, to launch my radio, to ask for results, and um, that's made a huge difference. And I think you know there are many, many different use cases for how. Search will continue to support a South African specific lifestyle. That's really interesting.
0: And what are South Africans actually searching for? That's always fascinating. I mean, you must have obviously got all the stats on that.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, South Africans are very news conscious. Um, I can imagine yeah, with the last and, few and, weeks, and we have the most. Uh, you know, <laughs> where would you rather be a journalist? One hundred percent. We totally. have more news than anywhere else. So I think you know, there's lots of things that are in the you know the zeitgeist. Um, uh, Zuma. Of course, um, all things political at the moment have generated a huge amount of search. Uh, of course, uh, you know, there's unfortunate circumstances in Cape Town, which mean that people are looking for water-saving devices, water-saving techniques. And you've seen a huge rise in that. Um, a few, uh, in fact, it was last year, I think, uh, just before the end of uh, summer, Gauteng had its own water problems. Correct. And at the time, what was really interesting, there was a massive spike in queries related to Gauteng dam levels. So the actual search Gauteng damnels" Became a real thing So as you in as province. you put the G Into your search bar It probably said Gauteng damnels." Nails uh, Autocomplete Would helped you out there but <laughs> Without a doubt um, and, and having run the search Recently myself We're at over 80% In uh, <laughs> And we're still rating Thank Baldwin. goodness so, so I think you know what, What's in the mind's eye Is really important Of course South Africans Are also sport crazy And it's not just Local sports But we tend to be Really fascinated by what's happening In Europe uh, Champions League Uh, I think Man City played recently Um, you know you see the searches spike immediately Um, and what's interesting is how search is evolving if you for instance look for Premier League results rather than just providing you with a set of blue links in a lot of cases you might actually see a league table okay so So much more in-depth knowledge providing you with a specific result pertinent to what you're looking for that includes maybe one or two answers you weren't even uh, initially asking for and that's called, uh, variously, a one-box or a knowledge box, and that provides you with a bit more context around the search result that you're looking for. It's also a huge change to the way the search is And, in evolved. fact,
0: that's, that's an area, an era, area. Sorry, I'm getting myself muddled here. That's something that's actually going to be changing quite a lot going forward. Apparently, you guys are looking at bringing much more rich, contextual-type information to every search uh, over the next little while. Will that... You know, bring a, a sort of new dimension to search for
1: most most of your your users. I think so, and I think especially in uh, in environments where users aren't necessarily uh, sort of um, ex desktop users, where they've come They're coming to search, clean, yeah, they come to search with a blank slate. Really, their expectations of search are different. In the past, you and I might have been satisfied, uh, you know, with a set of ten blue links. In fact, when they first arrived. That was fantastic. It was amazing that you could just do this. Way beyond anything we ever had before. Of course. But now, users are much, much more demanding. So, a set of 10 blue links just doesn't cut it anymore. Now, you need pictures, images, much more data. So, if you search for a restaurant, just the link to the restaurant is not enough. In most cases now, you'd have a review. You'll have a contact number. You'll have a a, a link to um, directions to get there. So there's a lot more involved in actually providing a relevant set of results to a modern user.
0: And that actually leads to a direct challenge to South Africans and South African business. I think the maturity, and I mean, we've done some work in this, but the maturity of the average business or smaller business on the web, though some big guys are not great either, has has really not moved as quickly as it should. What is your take on that? What are the benefits for South African businesses to be
1: fully involved and fully available online? You know, we did did a bit of research uh, quite a few years ago, and I think about uh, perhaps 2012 with Worldwide Works, um, looking at the benefits of the Internet to small businesses. And it seems obvious, but but the research actually demonstrated that businesses that were online and had an online presence were more profitable than businesses that weren't, um, and they also employed more people. So, you know, not just for the individual business, but it's super important for the South African economy that we digitize more quickly because we will grow faster. Businesses will be more successful and they will employ, employ more people.
0: And I mean, they become much more visible if they're online. I mean, as you said, you can do a contextual search if you're looking for a plumber in, you know, your, your Giza bursts or something goes wrong and you just say plumber near me.
1: If you're not online, you don't land up in the results. It's critical. And it's critical for all forms of local business in particular. Um, It's critical for travel and accommodation. Um, But, you know, there are lots of different types of businesses. I spoke to a small business a long time ago that was uh, in the generator business. And this was before we had a crisis. Talk about timing. (laughs) 40 to 50% of the sales they were making were online. Or at least, even if they didn't transact online, the leads that were be gen- being generated were online. And this is not a name business. You know, it, it wasn't a big brand that we recognised, And I think that's the thing that people miss, is that they often think that if, you know, if I don't have a brand that everybody instantly recognizes, I'm not going to make it online. And the, the, what search gives you is the ability to target people when they're not looking for a brand, but they're looking for a specific product or service that you might offer and just because you're more local, or because you have a more relevant offering, you might be the one that actually uh, they choose because you might be near the top of the list. You might even just be on this on the search results page, in which case you give yourself a chance. But if you're not there, as you say, you you know you're invisible. If you're not in the field, you can't play the game. And this is and this is the problem is that search is the gateway more often than not to the type of, you know, to services or products that people are looking for. And what search gives you is it, it gives you intent. You know that when somebody's looking for something, they want it right now. Otherwise, they simply wouldn't have done the search. And That's actually TV an ads. excellent point. You know, a TV ad's passive. You sit there, you watch it,
0: and it maybe sticks and maybe down the road you'll do something about it. But if I have an issue and I need something and I Google it immediately – You're right. The chances are
1: I need it now. Yeah, it gives you intent. It gives you that demand. And as a small business, if you can position yourself at the point where that intent is actually expressed, how valuable could that possibly be? And sometimes it's just about having a listing. You know, uh, not everybody demands that a plumber will have pictures of his work and videos explaining what he does. That's not something, you know, if I need a plumber right now, I need somebody I can contact.
0: That's it. So a phone number and a name at the very least. Sometimes. So I think is it's- that what businesses can do? I mean, everyone asks me over the years, they've said, yeah, but a website's expensive and you've got to maintain it and all the stuff online. And then SEO comes up and it becomes a, a huge conversation. But for a small business…
1: What's the most important thing they need just to be visible? Yeah, absolutely. Just to be visible, um, there are simple, free products. Um, I mean, Google has something called Google My Business, which will provide you a listing on a map, for instance, um, where telephone number, perhaps include a photograph of your business. But super simple stuff. It doesn't have to be a massive barrier to entry. And I wouldn't think about it like creating, you know, reams and reams of content. It's useful to have more. That's great. But at basic... Well, you know, just get there. Be there. Start and somewhere. People can find you, and then, and you know that's that that's the first step. And then, of course, there are lots of different things that you can do thereafter that will uh, augment and and help you just be a lot more visible to to whoever is out there looking for your product or service. But I think it's it's actually key that being local and being available and
0: with search being mobile and local and sort of geo-based. You could have no website and simply be available for a service or a product in an area that someone stays. So, you you would recommend everyone everyone who's got any service or product goes and registers at, and gets at online. At the very
1: least, make sure you've got a listing that makes you, that helps you appear on a map. You know, that's uh, think about how many times you use maps for directions. Well, that's a really interesting. I use maps for directions all the time, of course, even on routes that I know because these days you layer over the traffic information. Correct. So, you know, my commute, which I know, I I hope, um, even there I will use Maps because occasionally there are a few options that can take you, you know, five minutes or less. So that Maps, integrating a a local plus Maps experience plus a contact number, you know, those are really, really simple things. And I think as a small business, I'd be thinking, you know, that's that's the basics. Thereafter, yes, I might want to invest a bit more time... But uh, without that, you really – I think you might struggle. Um, and, of course, there are lots of different things that you can do. You can augment with reviews. You know, in, in service industries these days, having uh, a recommendation is, is absolutely critical. You know, you think about recommendations from your friends or, you know, uh, from experts around particular types of services or products. Uh, having that recommendation um, in, in the restaurant business these days, I mean, you oh, see it vital. all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely vital. absolutely critical. So I think, you know, managing that is, is also something that businesses need to learn to do, especially when sometimes the feedback isn't great. <laughs> um, but, you know, you can turn around a difficult situation online so quickly by responding quickly, authentically and honestly to the problem in a way that is simply not possible in a traditional sort of customer service Mindsets. Absolutely. And I'm afraid that on that note, uh, our time, as I said,
0: runs really quickly. <laughs> but it's fascinating. So Google is just a lot more than search. And I think people need to be a much more aware of what's possible and how to get involved because all of us carry phones. Everyone's got a, a, an ability, doesn't matter where or what, to to search for something. And right now, Google seems to be the biggest game in town by a, a long shot. Yeah, search has been
1: around a long time, but it's still sexy.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll stay in touch, and I'm sure you're going to come up with lots of interesting things in the next little while. And let's hope we get a uh, Google Home soon. That'll be quite (laughs) cool. Thanks so much. Thank you. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, hi there once again. It seems that we keep getting cut off. The wonders of technology. But anyway, I'm going to move swiftly on to my favorite part of the show, which is the actual gadgets that I'm playing with. And there are two things that I want to talk about. One is not really a gadget, but it's just a fascinating peek into a world of virtual reality that actually has never been done before. I was lucky enough to get invited to a uh, launch of a South African documentary, which is the Great Migration of the Wildebeest in the Masai Mara National Reserve in Kenya. And for the first time ever, a bunch of South African tech experts and wildlife experts managed to to actually capture this entire, well not the entire but a certain amount of the Great Migration where hundreds of thousands of wildebeest move across the Masai Mara. And um, they did it in virtual reality. And I think they have the the kudos of being the first, the world's first virtual re- reality documentary. And it is without question one of the greatest natural phenomena on Earth. And a small studio in Joburg called Deep VR definitely beat some of the best-funded international filmmakers to this unbelievable landmark. And it was just a fascinating insight into how they cobbled together useful technology, technology that wasn't very high-end, um, And stuck it on poles and covered it with grass and really, literally risked their lives trying to get as close as possible to the Wildebeest as they crossed the river and as they funded across the various plains. And it was just an unbelievable um, insight into how using Wi-Fi, using 3G networks, using VR cameras, well, standard cameras or Hooked together into some, into sort of cobbled together into a type of VR thing, and if you're interested in just watching this, it is an incredible um, documentary. Go to the following website; it's called DeepVR.co.za forward slash Exodus. D e e p V R rcoza forward slash Exodus, and you will see that it is absolutely unbelievable how they've managed to capture a lioness walking up to the virtual reality cameras and actually started to lick it. So they built this into the, the the movie quite unbelievably. And it is just uncanny. If possible, you could see it on a VR headset. They showed it to us on a VR headset where you were completely immersed in the uh, Maasai Mara. They've used some amazing technology to get rid of the thousands of, of, of vans and vehicles that just cluster around us it's actually almost understand how humans have interacted and changed everything but if you can go to their website try to go they're going to have um, these, these um, actual virtual reality shows going on um, around the country in the next little while but all the information is on their website and it's absolutely fascinating to see and to be part of something that you would. Chances are, most of us would never get to Kenya to see. And you get as close as you possibly can. You can look up. You can look down. You can look around. And you can see the Build-A-Best thunder past you at a rate that is pretty unbelievable. My other real gadget of the week, and I can see we're running out of time really quickly, so I'm going to talk really, really fast. Is LG's not so brand new C7 series of OLED TVs. Now I have long maintained that OLED is a transformative technology. A technology that has rewritten the rules of, of um, displays across the world. So many phones, top-end phones, are running OLED panels. And now LG, luckily for them, or after spending tons of years developing, have got the handle on massive 55-inch and above OLED panels. And the quality of OLED is without question one of the highlights of television in the last few years there are some other technologies certainly from samsung um, that are coming along that are competing with oled but right now oled has one massive advantage there is no backlight in other words every single dot on the screen on an oled panel emits its own light and the benefit of that is that when an oled panel dot is off it is black absolutely pitch black Whereas with a LCD-type screen where the lighting is behind the actual panel, you get a little bit of bleed, a little bit of bloom. The light never goes absolutely off. So OLED features absolutely the best black, um, well, the lack of light of black that any panel can offer. And the benefit of real black in any panel is that the colors and real white tends to stand out. The negative of OLED is simply that, it cannot go as bright as some of the LCD panels. So if you're in a really, really bright house or you have very bright light, you might find the OLED looks a little washed out and standard high brightness LED uh, LED type screens such as the ones from Samsung and others tend to look more exciting. But if you're watching in in dim light in the evening, you'll find that OLED potentially has the ability to be the most accurate, the most um, correct in terms of color brightness of any panel. And the C7 range, which was launched sort of late last year, 2017, has now become, I believe, the best value in OLED in South Africa. You can pick them up pretty much anywhere um, across all the major retailers at prices that are starting to approach reasonableness. They're still extremely expensive. You can get a 55-inch LCD panel of high quality from Samsung and other manufacturers for between 10 and 15,000 Rand for a good quality one, whereas the equivalent OLED is somewhere from 25 to 35,000 Rand. And the C7 range um, is certainly in that range. And you need to see it for yourself. I've been using a C7 panel for, uh, on, on review for a little while, I've been using the new QLEDs from Samsung also for a while. And I must tell you, um, OLED has some amazing advantages. But, um, the Q panels from Samsung are also pretty exciting. And there's new stuff coming over the next little while that we, that I saw at CES. But if you're looking for really great value and a really high quality, uh, television right now, the C7 series from, uh, LG is certainly one to look at. So get out there, have a good look and see, see if you like them. I think you'll be pretty blown away. But it is difficult in a big retailer. Environment where the bright lights are on, OLED may be at a bit of a disadvantage, but check them out. I highly recommend them. And if you're in that price league and you're looking for one of the best TVs on the market, that is definitely one to go and have a good look at. Now, before we go, I've just got one more thing that I want to talk about, and it is from Google. Now, we talked about mapping, we talked about just using um, Google, you know, for traveling. Or Google Directions, even if you know where you're going, which because of the traffic overlay, because of the ability to warn you and reroute you should traffic develop while you're driving, it's absolutely useful to use mapping um, or Google Travel Map app for driving wherever you go. However, there is one product owned by Google that many of us know and yet And it's called Waze, W-A-Z-E. If you have a smartphone, download Waze. It's not for everyone. It's great in urban environments. So for city driving, an absolute must. It is owned by Google. The back end is Google. But there's a social layer and some intelligence, which was developed in Israel, interestingly enough, behind Waze that adds a new dimension to normal Google Maps. Google Maps and Google Drive Maps are great but Waze takes it to the next level. The interface is much simpler. The traffic rerouting is much smarter. And because it, in other words, what you as a Wazer does is alert other Wazers on the road of what's going on. So if there's traffic, you tell them there's traffic. If there's a police block, you tell them there's a police block. If there's a car stop,